Welcome to Ed Ideas, relevant conversations for Christian education. As image bearers of God, we have been created to actually carry out this work of cultivation, unpacking, unfurling, so that making is how we be human. Anytime culture is going through transition and there's significant change, you can either look at it as, hey, this is the worst thing ever, or what an opportunity. We know that all adolescents are asking some really direction-setting questions in their life. The very first thing said about us in the Hebrew Scriptures is not that we are bad, that we are dirty, that we are sinful, that we are shameful, that we are anything. The very first thing said about us is we bear the image of God. Welcome to Ed Ideas. This is Brandon Tatum, and today we're following up from last week's guest with Luke Norsworthy. And you're going to get to listen in on my interview with Luke on the conference stage. Hope you enjoy. Okay, just a reminder, you could text in questions uh, using that code in slido.com. Luke, thanks. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that that was um, Laura Sandifer. Did you catch some of Laura's yesterday? Yeah, her stuff about if you're curious, it'll point you to God. I thought that was fascinating. Yes, she was, yeah very similar to, to your message. She used a beautiful term uh, calling students heroes. Yeah. And um, you used the term pests. And so I just thought that's yeah, I mean, a little different. Again, that's why I only talk on Sundays. Yeah, that's But no, I love her stuff. Uh, she's doing the Joseph Campbell monomyth stuff, which I think is fascinating. And it might be the subject matter of my second book. So uh, like a year from now, I'll come back and talk about that if you want. Okay, great. Let's talk about your book. Just get, let's start with that. You have a book coming out. Mm-hmm. When is it? What's it about? Uh, it comes out October 2nd. And uh, uh, Laura gave away 50, 40 or 50 copies. Yeah. And I want you to know, Amazon will give you a copy as well. You just have to give them like 20 bucks. Um, so it's the same kind of deal, just minor difference. It, it comes out October 2nd. And uh, the story of the book is how my faith kind of fell apart. I think kind of it did. Uh, so go to seminary uh, at ACU. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I start preaching when I'm 18 years old, and, and I felt like I had this thing all figured out. And I realized that that like God didn't ever live up to the expectations that I had placed on God. And when I looked at the bottom of the contract that I had created between me and God, I realized there's only one signature. And the faith didn't work. And so what I had to move to is accepting honestly a lot of the stuff that I talked about tonight. That the beauty of God instead of the expectations for how I think God is supposed to exist within this box that I've created for God. That's great. Uh, Dr. You and Josh are great friends, right? Okay, he is a, a mentor. He likes you. You think he's okay. I get it. Uh, he has a question for you. Could you have given that talk pre-fatherhood? Uh, hmm. So I have three daughters, uh, like we said earlier, and... It is one of the, the absolute best gifts I've ever received. And I've never heard an audible voice from God, but I have heard the giggles of my daughters fill my room, or fill my house, and that is more than enough for me. Uh, I, I might have been able to say those words, but I wouldn't have, have experienced it in the way that I have. Um, <clears throat> I liked you talking about um, building stones, building cathedrals. Mm-hmm. How do you think, what are some practical ways we can take kids from building stones to building cathedrals? Um, another analogy you used was how do we teach kids the beauty of the ocean? Mm-hmm. How, how do we help them see life differently? 
Well, since I, my oldest daughter is nine, and I don't spend time in high schools or, or elementary schools very often, except when I'm there with my kids. Y- y'all are the experts. Y'all have to figure that out. Um, and so any, any advice that I give towards that is going to be a little bit um, uninformed. But I, I do think the way that we do that is, in, in whatever context you're in, I think it starts by modeling. And I think we have to model that for them. And it's, it's not just something that if you, you put the words on, on the paper, like that's, that's nice, it's helpful. But what matters more than just the words is an example of someone going, that's what it looks like, I can follow that. And I, so I feel like... Um, uh, one of the things Laura's talking about, like having running partners, is that right? Was that the, the metaphor she used? Yeah. Where I, I love the idea of like you have people who are, are a little bit ahead of you or people next to you that you can go, they're doing what I need to be doing. And so I feel like it's that sort of communal practice of putting it in flesh and having examples of people all around you. Yeah, so in Christian education, we talk a lot about uh, teaching from a biblical worldview. That's okay. kind of terminology that, that some of us in here are very familiar with. And I don't ever want to discount teaching from a biblical worldview because I, I think that's the foundation. But often in education, we don't move from there. We, we teach from a biblical worldview, but we don't empower students to be doers in the world, hmm. contributors in the world. And uh, like we've talked about all of yesterday, it seemed like, is the big thing that we're going to have to do with Generation Z is we're going to have to start living a little differently. Hmm. And so I, I heard that over and over again with, with your talk. Uh, I also, the piano analogy, I think you might have posted a little tune on Instagram or something a while back of you maybe playing Hallelujah or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was from the Lord. I had just finished a four-hour elders meeting, and I thought this is the only way to express how I feel right now. That's right. That's uh, right. Hallelujah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to throw another educational term out I here. I thought you were going to ask me to sit there and play. I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That, that, was, that was next. <laughs> that would have been outstanding. I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll do that at break. I had, um, <laughs> there's a musician named Dave Barnes. I don't know if you guys know who Dave Barnes is. Um, anyway, he wrote the song, uh, God Gave Me You, that Blake Shelton made like a ton of money from, uh, but he actually wrote it. And so he's friends of one of my friends, and I don't really know music super well, but uh, Dave comes over to the house when he's in Austin, and we're, we're doing a podcast. And beforehand, I was like, yeah, I haven't learned how to play this song by Zach Brown. He goes, oh, yeah, my friend is the actual piano player for Zach Brown. I'm like, cool, maybe he'll want to see how I play it. <laughs> anyway, so that's how I experience life. I, I, I loved your analogy because uh, right now there's a lot of talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset. Okay. And fixed mindset would say, I'm 30 something years old. I've never been taught to play the piano. I can't play the piano. Hmm. A growth mindset says, I can't play the piano yet. And it leaves this room for for growth. Uh, How the the fixed mindset, I think, stems from fear, Mm -hmm. which you talked a lot about, uh, maybe afraid of failure. Could be a, a possibly a, a, the greatest fear there is the fear of failure. How do we create environments where kids can try things and failure is okay? Hmm. When I was a church planner, um, we had different things that we were going to do, and the language we always used was, um, you know, we're going to try this. And it never was, this is our new practice, this is what's going to happen. But there's an expectation that we're going to try things, it's not always going to work. And I, I think people view the world and experience it different. 
And I think for some people, failure is like the worst possible thing. And uh, the fear of failure causes them to not want to try things, and the public embarrassment is so much more in certain people than other people. But I think if you normalize failure as part of life, and you go, you tell stories not just of successes, but also of failures, I think it normalizes that and says, this is part of the human experience. It's going to happen to you. It's inevitable. Um, so might as well embrace it. Right. Uh, one of the things holding students back from contributing is fear. Is it possible that one of the things holding students back from contributing is our fear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the, if you don't transform your pain, you'll transmit it. And I think that, like I, I mentioned a second ago about generational sin. I don't think God is going to, like, punish my daughters because, you know, I, I called my intern a pest. But, but I do think that, that sin changes who we are and affects us, and those things are transmitted around us. And so I think in a classroom, uh, or, or even whatever this setting looks like, y your pain is going to be transmitted unless you're willing to transform it. And I think when, when we become transmitters of fear, our students naturally become more fearful. Do you think, I'm trying to think the best way. Let me ask this question two different ways, and you pick which way I said it better. Oh, this is okay. a good game. All right. um, do you think we have doled down the gospel for youth to where it doesn't seem something, uh, they don't see us living out the gospel Jesus called us to live out? That's the first question. Okay. You might not like that one. Here's the second one Dead. coming. All right. <laughs> when you were taught growing up the gospel, did you find it dull and boring? And, and, and maybe not dull and boring, but not able to see a connection between the gospel and daily life? I'll just try to answer both at the same time. Okay, so you like both questions. I thought you did okay, great. we'll note that. Yeah, you did. You're doing great. My, my formation really can be pinpointed back to, like, as, like, this sounds like a good Church of Christ answer, but it's actually my story. I started reading my Bible every day after my, uh, during my sophomore year, after my freshman year a little bit, and all through my sophomore year, I would read every day, and I'd read it, uh, like, religiously, dare I say, and reading the Bible literally changed me changed how I treated people and I talked and kind of the way I understood my, my identity of like I'm, I'm not just like boundary pushing like troublemaker but this is I'm going to be sold out on this um, I, I feel like the, the story of the gospel can change lives I, I think we're always I, I think there's a lot of reductionistic discussion about what the gospel is and I think the way that's presented is uh, you sin, if you die, you're going to go to hell, but Jesus saves us from God sending us to hell, and that's the gospel. Which I don't think that's false. I just don't think any sermon in the book of Acts says that. I don't think the New Testament writers, when they think of the gospel, I don't feel like they talk like that. Uh, Tom Wright can give you more about this. Um, but if you look in the sermons in the book of Acts, they don't sound like that. There's a bigger picture. The kingdom of, of, of God is this more immense thing than just your afterlife insurance. Do I think it gives you that? Yes, I do. But I think it's an all-encompassing thing that affects every facet of your life. And the reason I personally find myself doling that down is because it's asking more of me than I want to. And the continual invitation to carry my cross and let every facet of my life be gospelized is one that I don't always do. And 
So it goes back to modeling. Yeah. At some I, level. Yeah. A, a, I, a fear I mean, of. Yeah. Of having to model something that's scary for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great questions here. Let, let's ask one of these. How do we help students overcome the fear of what peers think? I think that's a great question. I think that's a. I see kids walk in our halls and are in youth group and they're in survival mode. Yeah. You know, um, how do we help kids overcome that? Uh, at my, my youngest is four and then I, my middleest is six and my oldest is nine. I feel like oldest and youngest get superlatives. Middle just gets middle. I feel like that's exclusive language. So I call them my, my middleest daughter. Um, but so my oldest and my middleest are at a school where they're always talking about don't bully, don't bully, don't bully. And it really has changed, like the way the kids talk and when, when I'm there on Fridays or I like the um, watchdog is what we call it in Texas, um, like I, it, it seems like it's, it's made a difference. So that's nice. Um, and so th that's helpful, but I feel like we're, we're community-oriented creatures. We are pack animals. And so we're always going to look for some sort of tribe that we're connected to. And I feel like for us to diminish like the influence of peers on us would be to say, don't have an arm. Like, you're created for community. You will be influenced by the people around you. I, I think it just means you have to be intentional about you pour into others so that you can be a positive voice. Because we can't not be influenced by people. But what we can do is try to make sure there are positive influences in each classroom, in each, you know, clique or each sports team or whatever. As a seven... And being future-oriented, do you personally find it difficult to be in the present and find the awe? And how do you make that happen? Okay, let's talk about the students again. I feel like we got a real personal right there. Um, is this like your Oprah moment, like you're trying to get me to cry or something? Well, you've already cried once. I can think I can do it twice. No, I was about to sneeze. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That was not My a bad. cry. My bad. How dare you I, use I missed that the nonverbal cue on that one. Yeah, exactly. It worked, though. It pulled me in. Yeah. It was a lie. Like I said, I just lied. No, um, to be, I'm a seven, I'm gonna make jokes instead of be serious. Um, Do you find it hard to find the awe in the world? Yeah, if, if I'm not careful, I'll be jumping to the next thing I'm excited to do. If, if I'm not careful, I'll be excited about the next speaking event or the next project or the next thing. And practices like silence and contemplation um, are essential for me to not jump ahead because it reminds me one of my favorite quotes is by a um, uh, Catholic, Catholic author named Joan Chittister, who says, uh, in this moment is the essence of everything glorious you've been given in life, and it is enough. And that is constantly saving me. Like, in this moment is the essence of everything glorious you've been given in life, and it is enough. Love it. Uh podcast he's got a great podcast if you're not on it you need to go to your podcast app and get it it's newsworthy with norsworthy you are my running buddy you and malcolm gladwell are my running buddies Thanks, listen to you a few times a week the, the name of my podcast comes from a uh, high school football coach really yeah my high school football coach used to say to me norsworthy you keep working the legs son and you'll be newsworthy <laughs> and so um <laughs> Be careful what you say, because your jokes now can become the terrible title of your kid's podcast one day. I love it, Luke. Thanks so much. Thanks for giving us the reminder that uh, our kids are watching us, yeah. and we need to be living it out if we want them to live it out. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please hit subscribe and follow our podcast 
it's important that we continue these relevant conversations for Christian education.